guys, I am so excited about this week's episode. Famous yeah. firsts. Yeah. We could talk about the the first entry in all these different franchises. I, and I got I got more games than I can cover in my list. I, I was thinking about talking about Chrono Trigger because there's sequels to Chrono Trigger, but is that really a franchise? Yeah. I was I, thinking about like Oh, what, what, Matt? No, I was thinking the same too. I just feel like I've talked about a lot of the ones that I've talked about in that I would want to talk about today, like Kingdom Hearts. You know, sort of yeah, well, yeah. well, well covered ground for me. So I'm, I'm just thinking about what other games were impactful to me as a famous first. Like, also, like, is Mario Paint in a way the famous first game that like mm. opens up to like that become what the the cardboard Nintendo games you know like are those the oh, yeah. spiritual descendants of yeah. Mario Paint Nintendo like, there's, Labo. there's yeah. so many things we could talk about i can't yeah. really I, it's hard for me to narrow it down i mean i, I know i know what i'm going to talk about oh really yeah i was 26 pocket full of birthday money Logged on to Craigslist Personals. Oh. Wait. To play a video game? What do you wait? I don't I'm I'm lost here. I'm lost here. So yeah, we played some games all right. We are you talking about Nick, I think you've mm -hmm. misunderstood the assignment. Yeah, I'm just gonna leap ahead here because I'm pretty sure I know where you're going. And this is famous first video games in a franchise. Oh, I Not thought this was fucking. What? <laughs> I was going to talk about fucking. No, for, no, 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 no. And that's no. fine. Oh. Like, that's okay. Not to. Oh. I'm you know, embarrassed. It's okay. Sorry. That's how it happened. But it's just you know that's not that's not what the episode was today. It's also not I that kind of show. Birthday money. Twenty six for the details here. Also, yeah, some, are some money changed hands. So what? No shame in that. No, no, I just four years out of college figured, hey, Nick, it's been years that we've been touched. doing a video game podcast. Uh -huh. How many times are you going to come in loaded with some story that that does not apply to the theme or topics that we cover? Fine. We'll talk video games. OK, great. OK, great. All right. I And I actually have a first entry I'd like to talk about. Great. And it's it's newer on the scene. All right. Uh, but uh, I've lately been playing Quickie, a love hotel story. Uh, no, now, Nick, this is a game no, in which no, you refurbish not... your family's Wait, hotel into a, a love hotel. A franchise? Which franchise? I mean, it's going to be a franchise. <laughs> you can't say that a game that you like is good enough that it will be a franchise. That's not. You can't well, just be like, oh, this hentai game. No. Nick. Am I in trouble? I don't know. <laughs> Am I gonna get in trouble? <laughs> Will you like that? <laughs> <laughs> we decide which games are number one among number ones as we discuss famous first franchise entries this week on Get Played.
Welcome to Get Played, your one-stop show for good games, bad games, and every game in between. It's time to get played. I'm your host, Heather Ann Campbell, along with my fellow host, Nick Weiger. That's me, Nick Weiger, and I'm here with our third host, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to Get Played, the premier video game podcast where we discuss video games. Premiere. Oh, remember we used to do that? Yeah, that's fun. Premiere. That's good uh, shit. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> That's what makes it the premiere podcast. Yeah. That little extra yeah, ironically enough on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw a tweet roll past me from uh from a uh, uh, uh from at death underscore bow, Heidi McDonald. She, I don't follow this person. I don't know who this person is, but you know, the new Twitter just serves you information. Um and it's a conversation about a generational divide between Gen Xers and millennials. Yes. Yes. I am. I don't I don't know what generation I am, but I know that you are a millennial. Yes. And I'm I also know in the that, demographic. That, some, that this was something I did. So I'm wondering if this is a like a universal millennial experience and that I experienced it as anyway. The point is, um. The, the the conversation is about Gen Xers moved out before they could afford furniture mm-hmm. and used milk crates uh, to make furniture and then replaced things with uh, used or cheap furniture as they went along. And that millennials waited until they could afford furniture, got the furniture and moved out. Like, I, you know, I'm not yeah. saying that they waited for like luxury furniture, but that the, the Gen X experience was mattresses, milk crates cinder block shelves, et cetera, and that yeah. that wasn't the millennial experience. So what do you do you find truth in that? Or do you think do, what what's your perspective on it? Because you're the youngest person I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I didn't I moved out before I could afford furniture, but I took stuff from my house. Gotcha. From my from my family home that and they were able to like either get new stuff or not miss the thing that I took. Cause it was probably like from my room. I didn't have a lot of furniture is like probably the, the real answer. Um, and then this, you know, I definitely moved out before I had even money to do that. You know, you just, I was like, I got to get out of here. Sure. And then try to figure it out. And then I went back and it was a whole thing. I, I have a, a playlist that I'm holding yeah. up to camera right now. Right. I don't know if you guys can see it. Called yeah. Ivy and Milk Crates, which was a playlist that I had when I first moved out of my house. And I had so many milk crates in my apartment that the music I was listening to at that time, which is this playlist, I called Ivy and Milk Crates because I was like, oh, man, that's I want to have like that the atmosphere and energy of, yeah. of that time. Because, um, yeah, I had I had a a television Stacked on top of milk crates and video game systems inside the milk crates with the wires going out the back. Mm. It's cool as hell. The, uh, that, what does the ivy have to do with it? Anything? There was ivy on the outside of my my first apartment building. Got it. Okay. And I was uh, like, oh man, that's well, that's a feeling. But walking it, up and seeing that ivy on the outside of that first Chicago apartment building, and then going in and sitting in w- with my piles of milk crates. Why well, you live are, at Wrigley Field? Yeah. <laughs> I also. Had a really nice dinner uh, table, which was an upside down uh, laundry basket that I would oh. eat on the floor and and eat my uh, my food off of yeah. the, the underside of the laundry basket. 
That's like sitcom bachelor shit. That's like something like Sheldon would be using. Yeah. Well, not Sheldon. Sheldon. That's not a character. No, Why more, more like maybe young Sheldon. That's, that's like Joey would be Joey yeah. on Friends would be doing that. Joey on Friends. Yes. Um, why are milk crates the sturdiest thing known to man? Unbelievable. Well, I, I think that it's it's form factor also because mm-hmm. it's a shelf. Like yes. you can't just. It's extremely inexpensive. Yeah. To get a milk crate, and I'm not talking about like fucking Walmart milk crates that are aesthetic. I'm talking yes. about like actual fucking industrial milk crates. These babies used can, to hold milk. Yeah, you could get like for like a dollar and they were rock solid. Like I had a television yeah. on top of milk crates, multiple milk crates, and there was no sagging. Like it was like, it held it up. So I think it's 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 um the pragmatism of the milk crate. Yeah, Yeah, you'd have to... I mean, thinking of its practical use in a fucking milk truck or a or a you know a walk-in or something like that, it would have to. You might be the bottom shelf with like fucking five other milk crates filled with milk stacked on top of it on a on a cross-country drive in a fucking refrigerated truck. That thing had to be sturdy as fuck. Uh, I never had the milk crates in my apartment, but I did have a couch I found on the street. Which, when I look back on it, that's fucking disgusting. But there was yeah. the couch that was sitting <laughs> on the street that I just brought up into our apartment. Um, it's like a black leather or pleather couch. Uh, it was comfortable, but it was fucking nasty. But even worse than that, I had, for a while, dishes and silverware that I found in the dumpster. And I was taking my trash out, and there were dishes and silverware, plates, bowls, and um, forks and knives and, and spoons there. And I was like, this stuff looks okay. And I took it upstairs, and I washed it, and I used it for like a year. Did you bleach it? Or did you just like regular wash? Yeah, I'll give a little rinse. Oh my god! <laughs> you had some food in the microwave there. You're like, oh, this is perfect. They yeah, one hundred percent. My uh, uh, my dad was a, a, a construction contractor uh, guy in Chicago, and so we were constantly getting dumpster furniture, which he would be like, "Oh my god, why would somebody throw this away?" And then he'd bring it into the garage sand it down, refinish it and bring it into the house. That's cool. But that was the goal. That was like the stated intent. Yeah. And I would bet 50% of the time the furniture would just come into the house with like <laughs> the intention of in the future, he's going to re- refinish this piece. And mm-hmm. so we had like chests and tables and shit that just were from the street. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to sandblast this and uh, lacquer it. And it's gonna look gorgeous. And now someday I'll inherit this garbage, <laughs> garbage furniture yeah. that's unrepaired. I one time took something off the street, and it made me never do it again. And it was a cat tree, like you know, like a sort of cat tower with like a scratching post. Oh my post. god! And you, so you you brought wow. in a thing for animals that well, somebody me, else had thrown away. Here's the thing. It wasn't in the trash. It was like on the street and it was like, it looked really nice. Like it was still like pretty new. And so I was like, oh, I'll take this. I'll put this in my car. I was working at the UCB theater at the time. And I was like, I'll drive this home later. But it was in my car. Later that night, I noticed that I was covered in like welts and like, Jesus, like, like bites basically. Oh my god! Uh, and I was like, it was like covered in spiders, and I was like, I gotta get this thing out of my fucking car. 
and oh I just put it God. back on the street, and it was a fucking nightmare. I was just like covered in spider bites, like oh. huge, sort of like like apple sized like welts, kind of. Oh. Yeah, they were fucking huge. Ugh. I was fine though. Sucks that you Ugh. keep getting pursued by Doctor Octopus though, because of menace. It is. It is pretty bad. Um, and at the time, I was working for this newspaper that um he did have one request, my boss. Uh-huh. And it was to get him pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah. And I couldn't You could provide him. You couldn't fulfill that, but then it involved doxing yourself, so that's a whole thing. Well, yeah. And I was already dock oxing myself. Hey, man. It's fucking worse. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty bad stuff. What's Vulture like? Is he cool? He seems like he'd be cool. Vulture is really cool if you kind of stop and talk to him for a little bit. But my uh-huh. fave, I really liked uh, Craven the Hunter. He oh, was like yeah. a cool guy. You know, he's not so bad. Um, Rhino is pretty cool. Mysterio is pretty cool. Scorpion. Now, Scorpion really get you into some trouble. Um, let's see who else from the rogues gallery. Um, it's nice that you get along with them generally, though. Yeah, you know, you can always, this is the thing, this is the thing that people don't understand these days. You can disagree with somebody and still like them. <laughs> the Premier Video Game Podcast. Yeah. Premier. Hey, I, I want to shout someone out in our Discord real quick. Uh, before we get before we get into video games, you don't gotta shout me out, baby. I'm already on the show. <laughs> not Matt. Someone else. <laughs> Someone who's not a regular host of the program. So, I, I I've talked about here and other places my fascination slash bafflement with the Heathcliff comic strip, okay. which has turned into this Dadaist artwork. That is generally incoherent. Yeah. uh, But continues to be published in daily newspapers across the country. One of our listeners, Forrest L. in our Discord, submitted to a feature that runs in Sunday Heathcliff's called Kitty Corner, which is purportedly to profile uh, cats of fans of Heathcliff. Hey, this is uh, Matt, if you were going to write in, you might say something cute about one of your cats. Yeah, Hurley and or Sawyer. Yeah, Hurley. Hurley likes to take a nap on the couch while I'm watching TV, and that that would be a little. There'd be a little doodle about that. Yeah, uh, and it would say, you know, Matt A. in uh, in Los Angeles writes and says this. Well, this kitty corner uh, was via Forrest L. Ren Amamiya of Tokyo, Japan, says her cat Morgana tries to block her whenever she tries to leave home at night. <laughs> Got Morgana from Persona Five published. In the Heathcliff strip, <laughs> in the kitty corner. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, and they you know, like just so, like like ninety nine percent of Heathcliff's. Like fan base just read that was oh that's cute yeah oh <laughs> fan base <laughs> yeah but that means yeah like the thirty people that read it um. I, I will just read it. You know what? It's the Yellowstone demographic. It's an inv- it's a silent majority of like That's fucking true. senior citizens who consume Heathcliff every fucking day and and hoot and holler. I've watched one episode of Yellowstone because I wanted to see what it was about, like just to see like what is there mm-hmm. to like, and it was fucking great. 
I heard it's good. It was fantastic. I was I like, heard this, it's is, good show. this is awesome, but I haven't watched another one. Yeah. Well, in terms of content you've been consuming, though, I bet you've been playing some video games. Matt, what are you playing? <laughs> what are you playing? <laughs> wow. That Hi, was... Resident Evil Merchant. Yeah, hi. Hey, I'm the Resident Evil Merchant, and I've been a little concerned about lore lately. Lore? Uh, well, I figure they're every week we're onboarding new listeners. Sure. And it can be real off-putting to start a Marvel movie after, you know, Endgame. And at this point, so much has happened to me mm. that I think we should do a soft reboot. Okay. Okay. Like, of your reality? I, I wish. But yeah, about my presence on the show. So just kind of an onboarding. Just sort of like, hey, in case you're joining us midstream, this is the Resident Evil merchant. You may know from Resident Evil 4, not the remake, the original. The original. And, uh, you know. In the game, I say, what are you buying? And yes. here on the show, I say, what are you playing? And so it's a nice little bit of fan service for anyone who remembers, you know, one of the most beloved uh, action horror games of all time. That's it. That's it. I once crashed a plane on this show. What are you playing? <laughs> really just drop that like a brick. Yeah. And like, like it's like the most recent thing you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just feel like we should truncate this segment. Because if you're tuning in, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. So, what are you playing? Hey, I'm, I'm all for making this more efficient. More time for us to get to business and less time. Honestly, the less I know about you, the better. Because I feel like I'm an accomplice after the fact of many of the things that you disclose on this show. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and start. Okay. I, I, you know, I'm in the middle. I'm playing Horizon Forbidden West still. I'm playing Pokemon Red, Fire Red still. But I found... I found a love that I thought I had lost. And I'm back on my bullshit and I'm playing Hades again. Hell yeah. I've been It took me a while. I had, I fell off Hades for a little while. I um I've defeated Hades once. And then I was like, "You know what? Let's get back in here. Let's mix it up. Let's mix it up with these gods again and uh let's try and get the true ending and beat him nine more times." Yeah. Right, you have to beat him ten times to get the true ending. I've still only beaten him once, but I've gotten close a couple of times, and I'm playing it now on my Steam Deck. I purchased it there again on Steam and synced my progress from my Switch version to the Steam version, and it's fucking great on the Steam Deck. It's a perfect Steam Deck game. It's so fun and so great. Um, I was playing it offline. Doesn't have the DRM feature that was prohibiting Heather from playing uh, some of the games that she was trying to play on an aeroplane. Um, right. And it's just good. It's just such a perfect game. And I'm excited for the sequel. I would like to beat it all before uh, the sequel comes out, which I would assume would be in some time. I don't think it's, I don't think it's coming out this year. Um, but it's, it's just fantastic. My weapon of choice is the fists with the magnetic... Uh, upgrade um and i've been using that paired with um like deflection boons quite a bit because the way that works is it brings the enemy towards you and then when you hit them it pushes them away um 
So that's that's been really, really working for me. But once you get to the big man, once you get to Elysium, it gets tricky. It gets tough. But then when you get to the big man himself, yeah, he's he's fucking this guy's fucking hard. He's good. You'll get that. I mean, this is the thing, though. I, I eventually, you know, I, I I beat him the 10 times it's required and got the, the true ending. And uh, very cool, by the way. The story yeah. just keeps evolving. It's 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 very fun. It's very satisfying. But but I think that that, you know, you get into a rhythm of of taking down the big man of the, the, the fate. All of us are are going to face one day having to kill our own father. Um, you, you get to that point where you get pretty good at it yeah. and you can dispatch him. Like you just get enough reps. Uh, I was gonna say because you were talking about deflections. I was gonna say that divine dash. Uh, I think it's the Athena mm-hmm. boon. It's Athena, right? I think uh, so. Yeah. That that one just does so much work. I always felt like I just if I got that one, I was gonna I was gonna have a successful run. I gotta. I'll pay. I'll, I'll pay close attention to that one. I think I had that one last run, and I actually paused my run right before. Um, I have to find the dog food or whatever the fuck it is for for um cerberus oh um, yeah so i think i have enough boons we'll see uh to take down the big man um but that's what i'm playing right now wow i'm back on hades and Terrific i fucking game. love it yeah that's what you're playing oh and i played a round of Fortnite with heather the other day and even that just one round was a blast oh my god i love that fucking game what uh well well on that note i mean heather is that what you're playing well yeah so i'm I realized that talking about Fortnite every week is going to get grating. Um, So I want to talk about specific moments in playing the game that stood out for me, because those are the things that are like new areas or new levels or whatever. Um, I played with Matt Apodaca. That's me. We did. We did not win, Mm -mm. but it was clear that Apodaca hadn't played since the update. And I wanted to commend him on how quickly he was acclimating to what is essentially an entirely new set of mechanics. Yes. It was Uh, hard at first, and I was scared because I didn't want to let my friend down. But then we got in there, and we, you know, we didn't win. We were in the top 10. We came in eighth. We did pretty good. We we did we did pretty good considering that I was essentially doing an escort mission. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> Jesus Christ, me being fucking scared. like, and I was it was working like that too because I was scared. <laughs> they fucking just pulled his pants down and exposed his bare ass. Yeah, for, for entire listenership. No, it's true. I was on the back of the truck that Heather was driving shooting and then being like but wait where are they and i couldn't <laughs> there was it was also funny cuz apadaka didn't tell me when he was downed and and didn't also didn't tell me that he had died and at some point i was like wait are you are you like i'm in the mix things are getting spicy and i'm like where are you? are you and dead like, oh, yeah, he's I'm like down. he just goes yeah i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> there was no moment where he's like oh i've got two guys on me so i like a turn or anything cuz uh, my calculation there was well yeah this was going to happen <laughs> the other is that uh i uh, i played with a listener whose name i i, I don't think i caught um, I, I have like a open party invite. So like, cause I love, you know, playing with people. Uh, and I played with some, some random, random person and we victoried in duos. And then I was like, and then they were like, so I'm a, a listener of the show and I just, this was great. And I was, I was so happy 
that I delivered a crown on our first round. Like it felt like yeah, it's the two awesome. of us were were like a real team and then we we pulled it off. And I would hate to talk about this game every week. And then we come in like 98th, which I think we did the next round. <laughs> like the next round, I think we were immediately dropped on and like people wiped us out. Whoever this human being is, thank you very much. I I don't I don't I, there's so many humans on online that I I interact with every day and I I just wanted to call out that moment. It was pretty cool. That's um, right. But then also that person plays with their cousins and their cousins are children. And so mm-hmm. a child jumped into our game who was either a child or a friend of a, of a, of a cousin or something. I don't know. This was a random child's voice who suddenly was in my ears. And that child said a bunch of like, Oh my God, you guys sound so old. You sound so old. How old are you? How old are you? And I was like, I'm 60. And they were like, no, I'm nine. <laughs> You're so old. Oh my God. And then they also said, Are you both men? <laughs> or like, are you both boys? I don't even remember the language. And I was like, no, I'm I'm an old lady. My voice is deep. I'm 60 years old. And they were like, no. And That's I was like, so all right, funny. I gotta go. Kids uh, are so mean. Kids, well, I don't think that kid was trying, like, it was, he wasn't trying to be mean. No. He no. was like, he was like, this is the oldest human being's voice I've ever heard in this game. Yes. Right. Uh, so that was pretty great. Uh, I'll say one other thing about Fortnite, which is they've brought back the My Hero Academia mechanics. So there is an, uh, Deku, who is a character in My Hero Academia, has a punch. And the punch destroys his arm, so he can't use it very often. So you get you you pick up this item that's like a glowing sphere of energy, and you equip it, and you get three punches. The punches, if you um, first they, they take forever to charge. You hear Deku's voice going, ah! and you start to hover in the air with your fist raised. So you become a, like an immobile target. And as you're charging up this punch, whoever you're trying to hit is shooting is shooting at you mm-hmm. or they're running away. If you hit with the punch, it's like a one-hit kill. If you miss with the punch and say there's a building behind that person, yeah. the building completely gets obliterated. Like an entire wow. house explodes. <laughs> it is such a satisfying mechanic. Uh, I love it so much. They also added a bird that you can become a bird and you fly over the island and you can spy on people and pick them up. And that's great, too. But, man, I fucking love a punch that's like. Because ah! <laughs> also when you hear it, you're running around like a maniac trying to figure out where it's coming from. Right. Because you know that somebody's going to like blast and you don't. It, it's great. So Is it. In the source, is that a character's ability? Like, yeah. is that like, okay, that, yeah, that, that it, just is gone. What? I'm just going to say that just speaks to like the, 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 the smartness of their design 
just like they throw in characters, but all the ca- they don't have to worry about balancing all the characters because they have different attributes. They've all got the same abilities. They all can have the same loadouts. So like a thing like that goes into the game as an item and it's accessible to everybody. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like I think that approach is just it lets them throw in all these IP, but you don't have to worry about like, oh, fuck, the Xenomorph is OP or whatever. Right. It's it's nice that you play a essentially a metaverse experience where two months ago I was fighting with lightsabers and like official lightsabers. And now I'm fighting with Deku's punch, uh, which is the superpower one for all or all for one, one for all. I don't remember all for one, all for one tears are all for one. It's been, it's been a while since I've watched the show. I really Mm -hmm. should get back into it. Um, but yeah, so I feel like that's a better way to talk about Fortnite. Not just like I'm playing Fortnite, but like, here's some fun shit that happened this week. Hmm. I like that. That's what she's playing. How about you, Nick? What do you mean? Uh, thanks, Resident Evil Merchant. So I want to talk about uh, some. My legs on fire. Hold on. Jesus How? Christ. How am I supposed to concentrate now? What like it, what happened? It. Can I just? What are you okay. playing? Are you okay? I'm fine. What are you playing? Okay. Well, there's a couple of things about Persona Five Royal. As much as I monologued about it last week, that I did not get to. That I like afterwards. I was like, "Fuck! I should have mentioned those." One, I'll, I'll talk about it real quick. One is the fashion of this game, and I don't just mean the character designs, which the character designs are 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 terrific, but the like each character has wardrobe. That informs their character that changes with, you know, scenarios and changes with the seasons. And one of the things that's great about Persona 5 Royal is because you have an extra semester appended on to the school year, you get a whole extra season's worth of fashion. All these care, all your party members are in new clothes Um, and uh, they all just it's just it's so fucking cool. I wish I could dress like Ryuji, uh, but I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd look very, look like I was trying too hard. Uh, but I do really like the, the, all the, the, the streetwear of all the different characters, and it, it's just, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's just like another, another layer of these characters aren't just gonna like look the same the whole time, or they're not gonna, they're, 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 they're gonna have these sort of changing, um you know, sets of clothing, sets of apparel that, that uh, again, you know, ties into their personalities. And I, I, I don't know. It just, it's just like everything about this game is so polished. Uh, and also that brings me to the stealth, which is a thing that I meant to talk about, but is oh, just a way where it makes the, you know, skulking through the dungeons, uh, both the kind of uh, the, the collective procedural, collective unconsciousness, procedurally generated uh, mementos, and then also the palaces, Go like tra- traversing through those is so satisfying because there's a stealth element and it's a very, very basic stealth element. Like if you're undercover, if, if you're in cover and both of you experience this, basically you can't be seen by by the shadows, which are the enemies who that you can uh, will turn into uh, combat encounters or JRPG combat encounters if you bump into them. Uh, but it lets you do a thing where, you know, you can you can hide in cover. Uh, you can jump out and you can ambush an enemy. 
super cool animation when you do that. You I jump onto that. their back and rip their fuck, rip a fucking mask off their face and then go into combat, and that gives you an advantage. So it's just like it's just a way to make like going through the dungeon itself, uh, walking through the palaces, actually like a little bit more active and have a little bit more thought behind it rather than just navigating a maze. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I I really like that element. I'm not sure if it's in other Persona games, but it works really well in P5R. But the stealth brings me into the game that I've been uh, spending most of my time playing this past week. That's right, Sekiro. Wow. Putting some serious hours into Sekiro. I beat Lady Butterfly last night. Wow! Uh, and- hey, Nick, that's great! Yeah, fun, uh, that's fun a, boss. That's a, that's a fun and difficult boss. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I was I, I, like, I, I you know, I, I, I didn't get Lady Butterfly right away, but I felt like I did pretty decent with it. But then I read that like, oh, Lady Butterfly, there's way harder bosses later. So I was like, oh, I, I don't want to get too cocky here because it's it, it, it is a it is a challenging game. And there's some parts I've had some that I've had to do a bunch of different tries with. Uh, but like the stealth in this game, which I I knew going in, there was stealth, but I thought it was just kind of like thrown in there. I assumed it was just like an out. But it's a really strong element of Sekiro. And, you know, a a big part of just navigating the play spaces is just like finding ways to stealth enemies. Even some of the mini bosses, you can find a way to stealth and get a death blow in before you start the battle. It doesn't kill them right away, but it makes the battle easier. And that that is super duper satisfying and just a way to sort of thin out the herd before you have to go in um, and uh, swing your sword around and 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 try to battle everyone with a with your katana. Because, uh, you know, really like this game, the combat works best when you're one on one. If you get you can very easily get overwhelmed by just two or three enemies. Although I assume, Heather, knowing how you played Ghost of Tsushima, you pretty much just ran into a fortress and just started fucking blasting. Right. Or were you trying to stealth? Uh no, wait, no, I, I don't, I hate stealth. Yeah, you just went in, and you just started swinging your sword around. Yeah, you I just did, fucking I, killed everybody. I just, I, I do my best to, to char, and it's, look, it's not. I know that it is making me incremental better, incrementally better to play video games that way. Yeah, I'm trying to train my brain in Fortnite to rush. I, I'll rush combat, but I, I need to train my brain to rush actual people because I right. feel like if you rush a person, it will create panic and that un that overcomes any sort of um, distance advantage they might have with a weapon. Right. I find myself trying to in, in encounters in Fortnite, I try, I try and give myself some kind of um, edge of like, Using the using the landscape, slides, jumping, getting behind trees, etc. Like to try and create advantages in combat. And I'm trying to remember to rush. P- I'll rush towards the sound of combat. Sure. But then when I get there, I'm like, oh, I should I should snipe from here, or I should like like you create opportunities. And I think I want to I want to reframe and try and like get my actual hand-eye coordination to increase its aptitude Mm. and so like in a in a in a game where i'm not fighting human enemies yeah rush 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 yeah well i like to skulk around the perimeter and find my spots and uh jump down really cool animation when you uh, when you jump onto somebody and kill them from above that's a lot of fun uh, but yeah, I'll I'll use all the the fucking uh, as many death blows as I can through the stealth mode, which is really well realized and and uh, really satisfying for someone like me who you know really like the 
the uh, the Metal Gear Solid series and um is coming to it from from being a fan of 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 stealth games. Nick, uh, you got to you yeah. got to play Hitman, baby. These I know I, but I fucking love Hitman. I have oh. Hitman. I just haven't played it yet, but I'm sure I'd love it. Ah. Oh. But I played Sekiro first. We're good. This is the thing. Stop this Sekiro. Was, I'm not stopping Sekiro. <laughs> I'm fucking playing this one till the finish line so I can finally make good on a long promised uh goal here. How many hours uh, would you say you're in at the butterfly boss that you just beat? Great question. I haven't checked my save. I want to say north and certainly north of 10. I don't know if that's a that's a slow pace or not. Okay. I usually take my time with these games. I have been grinding a little bit. It is fun to grind because you find an area you can kind of go through and and you know like oh I can clear this whole area out in 2 minutes and get a whole bunch of fucking sen and uh you know try to to uh, to get a get a new fucking seed or a new gourd from the shop or whatever. Yeah. Um so I have spent a little bit of time doing that. Um, and then I have had to backtrack a little bit because I've like just missed key NPCs. You know how these fucking FromSoft games are. Just I, I beat a boss earlier this week, and then like like before the next equivalent of the side of grace. I can't remember what it's called in Sekiro. Before the next uh, the next idol or whatever that you get to, there was like a key NPC who like unlocks another skill tree. And I just fucking missed him and played like another five hours of the game without this skill tree. Uh, and then I went back and like found and found him. I was like, holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, you can miss things like that, um, which I'm sure has as has slowed down my 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 game time. But anyway, just to get back on a few more things I like about this game, because I, I really fucking love it. I think it's fucking tremendous. Um, the challenge is very satisfying when you when you ultimately overcome something. The movement is great, especially with the grappling hook that you have. You have a prosthetic arm and you can grapple around. And the wolf, who is your player character, has just such like this lightness to his gravity that is just, that just makes it so like like it's always light on his feet. You know, just the landings always feel soft. Uh, uh, that makes it super fun to navigate. Just just to have like a little kind of like a, like a not quite a dainty guy, but a very agile guy mm-hmm. who's just super swift. Uh, the the element here that punishes you for failure which is dragon rot is as i was finding as i was playing through this game it's a nifty trick because it seems more punishing than it actually is what dragon rot does is it makes it infects all the npcs in the world all the people who are helping you and so they they develop this 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 uh, nasty hacking wheezing cough you eventually get an item where you can undo this but uh you know they they seem like they're basically all near death when you interact with them and as a result it they they stop giving you uh what's called unseen aid which is a percentage chance when you die and respawn that you will not lose uh half of your uh experience and half of your sen but the thing is it's like it's a, actually a relatively minor boon and so you know, when you start to get Dragon Rod, it like it feels like it's punishing, but it's actually not all that punishing, and it doesn't make the game all that much tougher to progress. Uh, and then just the dance of the combat is so fun. I love the deflects. As far as I I read, it has like a thirty frame window for deflecting an attack, which is pretty generous. Um, and the feel of a death blow when you actually like fucking kill somebody is so satisfying. It rewards it rewards relentlessness and aggression, which is just you know like it's it's. I I love Elden Ring, but that pace can be some somewhat ponderous sometimes when you're just sort of like you know uh, waiting for a slow attack, rolling out of the way, uh, getting one or two blows in there. A lot of times in in Sekiro, it's like get up right in an opponent's face, uh, uh, ping ping, deflect their attacks, whap whap, hit them with your katana, ping ping, deflect again, boom, death blow, and it, it's just it feels so frantic and frenetic, uh, and it, it's really clicking with me. And I think because it lacks the class and playstyle flexibility of the Souls games, 
uh, which, you know, is is a, obviously a trade-off, but because it doesn't have that, it makes it makes the combat super polished and balanced as a result because they could just focus on this one character build with this one yeah. skill tree. Uh-huh. And the sound design is fucking incredible. Like the 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 yeah. impact of blows and and deflections and uh, you know just just like the, the 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 indicative sounds of just like an enemy noticing you or something like that. All that stuff is so fucking great. Death blows sound so fucking great and have so much punch to them. I this game's fucking incredible. And I know I'm late to the party on this. I know this came out in 2019, but I'm so glad I'm finally getting some fucking time playing this thing. It's never and on play sale. Some I want to get it so bad. You'd love it, Matt. Matt, this would be so your shit. I kind of want to just get it and see if I could beat it before you do, just as a bit. Um, but <laughs> That's mean. That's mean. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. It's not. I gotta finish. I gotta finish a couple games before I start a, a new big boy like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it, it seems so far up my alley. I love. I, I I'm. Oh so, yeah. I'm glad you're having a blast. It would suck yeah. if you made this like big proclamation that you were gonna finish it, and you were like. I actually don't like it that much. It's too hard. Yeah, I'm scared. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, is it scary? I don't think it's that scary. It's it's creepy and weird, but I don't think it's like scary, scary. It's not as scary as Elden Ring. Nothing like those big hands in the game so far? No, nothing like that so far. All right, then I'm going to fucking love this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that was What Are You Playing? Hey, look, we have a topic this week that's kind of an A to C from The Last of Us TV show premiering. But, you know, The Last of Us Part 1, and when I say that, I don't mean The Last of Us Part 1 re-release. I mean The Last of Us Part 1 as initially launched uh, that was just called The Last of Us before we knew there was going to be a Part 2 Everything on, you back just on said PS3. Everything you so confusing. Look, The Last of Us Triforce was, of Luigi's was looking good. The, the Last of Us video game was a fantastic beginning to a franchise. A first s- entry. Yeah, and since there's a TV show coming out that had a part one that was released this week, it in- in- inspired a a topic. How's that? Is that clear? I don't think that's less confusing. I don't know if anything <laughs> we say you. on this show makes <laughs> Fuck sense. Fuck you. <laughs> Look, The Last of Us, there's a TV show now. There was a game back in the day. We're not talking and about that. We're not talking about the TV show. We're, we're talking about talking the game. We're not talking about The Last of Us. <laughs> okay, but we're using this as a launching point for the topic, which is famous firsts, which is our which our favorite first entries in what would become franchises. And The Last of Us is a completely valid possibility here. Yeah. Because The Last of Us came out, and then it turned into, hey, they they released Left Behind. They released The Last of Us Part 2. They'll no doubt have a Last of Us Part 3. Yeah, it's rumored to be in development franchise. right now, actually. That's what I've been reading. So, but, you know, that one started things off with a bang and is maybe the best of, of, of the series. So we're talking about our franchise favorite franchise launching first games. I, I would say my rule for these is that it must have at least three entries in the series to qualify. Yeah, a first game... That you were just like, this thing is fucking off to the races immediately. Why don't why don't you go first since this was your pitch, Nick? Because I want to know how in depth to get on these titles. I mean, now that it's my pitch, I feel like it's fated to be poorly received. Because no. now I gotta like live up to that. 
So you're just like, hey, it's your pitch. All right, pitch. I'll, go for, people, I'll go people, first. No, like the I'll things go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. Well, then this better be a famous first in our podcast. Here's my pick. My first one. I went in chronological order here, but the first one I picked is a game developed by Nintendo R&D One slash Intelligent Systems, produced by Gunpei Yokoi, R.I.P., legendary creator of the Game Boy, as well as some other franchises, including this one, Metroid, released in 1986, originally for the Famicom disc system, ultimately ported to the Famicom and then the NES domestically uh, in the U.S., which is how I played it. Here's why I think Metroid is a great choice. First off, Metroidvania is its own sort of genre, and it kind of more or less created this subgenre of games. You know, I'd, I'd obviously the Vania part comes from Castlevania Symphony of the Night and the, the games that followed Castlevania Circle of the Moon and so on. But it is a it, it, like that idea of these sort of these expansive 2D worlds that were, you know, typically the, the domain of linear platformers uh, that you kind of explore in any order. Uh, or or had more flexibility in terms of order of exploring them came from Metroid. And also that game. Uh, which got remade as Zero Mission. Yes. Is just like a really well-realized game from its inception. A lot of the mechanics that are just, that define Metroid are present in the first entry, uh, like the morph ball and the bombs and uh, and and missiles uh, and the screw attack. Yeah, all these things that you think of as like, oh, this is what Samus is. Uh, this is what Samus's uh, skill set is. That's all present in Metroid, uh, and uh, and it's super duper fun. And you know what? I I beat it as a kid, um, and uh, I remember just like it just being such one of those experiences where it's just like, oh shit, this is a kind of game I like. Oh shit, I didn't realize games could do this. Um, and I think partly because it has so much. Like so much of what we love about the franchise is present in that first one, and it hasn't undergone all of the you know, evolutions so much as some of the other, you know, Nintendo franchises or other franchises of these er- this era, it is actually pretty close to one-to-one in terms of, hey, these are still side-scrolling games in their most well-received iteration. Um, although people like the Metroid Prime games, so maybe that I'll walk that back a little bit. But you know what I mean. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, it's uh, like anyway, still present that, in the most recent release, Metroid Dread. Like, they didn't exactly. change anything. Like, it's, it's yeah. just a new coat of paint, new system. Great and a great gameplay and a great score yeah. and so uh, uh, Metroid is my pick. Metroid is my first pick. Metroid is a fantastic game and a I really famous first. All right, great. Yeah. So that so based on Nick's pitch and Heather's insistence that Nick deliver on his first pick, <laughs> I think everybody did a really good job so far. Yeah. Should call I'm, it a day. I'm ready. I think we're done, I'm ready dude. to go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Heather. You're All right, up. that's my first pick. It's 1990, and Nintendo has recently released Super Mario Brothers 3, at the time, the best-selling video game of all time. Sega's under pressure. They need to create a video game mascot that demonstrates the hardware capabilities of the Sega Genesis and help them maintain their competitive edge against a company that was dominant. And so they held an internal contest and they came up with Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic has gone on to spin off into racing games, fighting games, party games, sports games, comic books, anime, 
feature films and, of course, all of the merch you can get with Sonic's face. But none of this would have happened without the quality of the very first game, Sonic the Hedgehog, which featured blast processing, a marketing term that was supposed to imply that the Genesis was faster than the Super Nintendo. I also think that if it wasn't for the music of Sonic the Hedgehog, the game wouldn't have been a success because you can have the coolest looking character on screen, but if the sound design doesn't amplify the design of that character, then you're just gonna, you're gonna fall flat. Mm -hmm. But Sonic fucking delivered. I want to play a little bit from Green Hill Zone, the introductory level of Sonic the Hedgehog. That's good shit. Yeah. Fucking play that when my casket lowers into the earth. (laughs) Crack rules. I've talked in the past about how uh, the 1970s band Yellow Magic Orchestra may have been influential in the design of the Sega Genesis sound chip. And Sonic the Hedgehog's music seems to be a reference, an audible reference to that older band. It's like if you had a bunch of people creating a video game system here in the year 2023, they might be like, man, you remember how shit sounded in the 90s? We should like make the games sound like that. So I'd also like Matt to play a tiny bit from Yellow Magic Orchestra uh, here on the pod. I don't think I've heard this before. This is fantastic. This is great. Thanks, Matt. So this was a fantastic oral pleasure. <laughs> oh, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel like you guys. Uh, <laughs> and that 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 track, Green Hill Zone, continues to influence artists all the way through today. I want uh, I would love Apodaca to play just a tiny bit from the track uh, by A.L.E.X. Uh, that's a lo-fi Green Hill Zone that I hear all the time because it's on a bunch of my uh, playlists. You're sipping your coffee. It's the year 2023. And there's a nostalgic melody that comes over your headphones or speakers or HomePods or Alexas. 
none of this would have been possible without that famous first, Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow. And hey, this month we're playing Sonic Frontiers as our We Play You Play. So the influence of this first game reverberates through to this month on this podcast. Matt Apodaca, you're up. Okay. This one, I almost, I was going to pick Metroid. I had it written down. I've never played the original Metroid. I played Metroid Zero Mission last year just as yeah. an exercise, and I loved it. But I was thinking for this exercise, there's obviously like a bunch of games I could name that I've talked about a lot on this show already. Your God of Wars, your Kingdom Hearts, your Pokemons. Not yeah. doing those. Wow. Because these games, the games that I picked, I feel like set me on a path to become the gamer that I am today. They got me interested. These are like the first games that I remember being like, oh shit, I love these games. This first one in this series, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Jack and Daxter for the PlayStation 2. I was a huge Jack and Daxter guy. I loved Jack and Daxter. And that game, to me, just as as an action platformer, is one of the greatest of all time. It's fantastic. It's so fun. You have these like different little worlds. You go, like there's like different little areas and stuff. You're getting these precursor orbs. You got Daxter. You got Jack, who's a silent protagonist. You get Daxter, who's a little wisecracking buddy of yours. And it's just great. It's a lot of fun. Um, that series to me, I haven't spoken a lot about on this show, but I it's a series that I love. And you know, a naughty dog. A Naughty Dog property. Now, of course, you could you uh, f- famous for Uncharted and The Last of Us, uh, but previously they were making games for children, uh, <laughs> like Crash Bandicoot, yeah, mascot platformers, yeah, yeah. and bread and butter. All three of those games in that series are so fun and so great. Jack Two is very different. Jack Three is similar to Jack Two, um, but expands on that a little more. Um, and you know what? They make fun of the racing game in The Last of Us. I like the racing game. Jack X Combat Racing? Yeah, I fucking I think it's great. It's cool. They uh the Jack 2 was really like that. It was that Prince of Persia the Warrior Within era where yes. it was like this got to be these games have to be dark. And I didn't play Jack 2, but I played Jack I played Jack and Daxter Jack 3. Skip the second entry, but um, I remember that. Yeah, these I remember them being. I don't know how they hold up, but the fucking they great hold up platformers pretty well. I I've been wanting to revisit them. I repurchased them on PlayStation Four. Uh, you know where they they put them back out like not like a full remaster or whatever, but they're just like now you can play it on here. So I I'd like to get back into those at some point. Um, but those were huge to me and like very influential to me because they showed me that I love video games. I was like, oh, these are like sure. my games. This is just huge to me. Um, I, I, I love Jack and Daxter forever. And you know what? I kind of miss the... I miss the mascot platformer as a concept. You don't really get them anymore sure. outside of Nintendo. Um, but they, were, they used to be great. And Sony had quite a few of them, which I'm sure we'll hear about. Hmm, <laughs> a little preview. Yeah. Huh. You were talking about the precursor legacy, but you have a precursor legacy of your own. That was one of the Jack games, right? That's right. That's the first one. Yeah. And then it's just uh, Jack right. 2 and Jack 3. Kind of yeah. boring. Yeah, I know. 
banded the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, wow. Hey, that's a that's a great pick. I love these picks so far. Look. You know what else I love? Being a fucking grandpa. Because my next pick is XCOM. Wow. I know what you're saying out there listening. Oh, yeah, XCOM, the 2012 Firaxis game, tactical game. Yeah, that game's great. Yeah, it came out really good. I'm not talking about that fucking game. No, go go 20 years in the past before that. You idiot. I'm talking about the game that was released as UFO Enemy Unknown, a.k.a. XCOM UFO Defense in some territories, including North America, developed by Mythos Games, chiefly by Julian and Nick Gollop, a couple of UK brothers. And uh, this game fucking owned. Let me, I'm going to share my screen and, and just show you guys some visuals of how this game looked. Because, you know, I love an isometric P, a POV. And this is a game that's just, you know, fully uh, a pixel art isometric. Uh, it's it's that 90s era when they really like just absolutely nailed this look. So there's a lot going on in this game. Um, but and that's part of what makes it great is it's just got such a comprehensive design. So right now what you guys are looking at is some um, some menu screens where you can do because you can research different items. Mm-hmm. You can research uh, to upgrades for your weapons and armor. Uh, and then and so there's like this this grand strategic element of it. You can also build your base. Uh, which you have bases all over the globe. And, you know, it's it's a nifty trick where you have the spinning globe where you select your base sites. And basically the game, the goal of this game is that you have bases established all over the globe. You have to build your bases to have different capabilities for research and for uh, loading out uh, your squad of soldiers. And then... Uh, the these bases, but you also have to worry about their defense because these bases can get invaded by the ultimate threat in this game, which are the alien hordes. So basically, this is an Earth where aliens are invading, and you go around and between encounters, uh, you are trying to you know improve your bases around the world, and then eventually you know UFOs will invade, and hey, you got your SWAT of soldiers, um, who you know I named after uh, members of metal bands. Uh, but you see a guy like there, like some of these uh, these these guys, they have their own loadouts. They have their own gear that you can uh, gear up. And then you get into the combat, which was this uh, this isometric um, turn based tactical uh, squad based, uh, it, it, you know, basically gunplay uh, where you're just going around and positioning your guys, taking cover and uh, and you're fighting fucking aliens. And this is like, you know, this is like the X-Files era of like everyone's talking about those sort of uh, the alien panic. Everyone's talking about the greys and those those are who you're gunning down primarily. But, you know, there's all sorts of other aliens, too. It's just really super satisfying combat that's also got the strategic depth between the combat encounters. And it birthed the franchise that was dormant for a while. Uh, but I think, you know, a, a, a big part of why that resurgence was able to happen is because the first game uh, and the, the first couple entries of the series were so fondly remembered. So a UFO enemy unknown, a.k.a. XCOM UFO defense is my second pick. Wow. Now. I know that we joke that I'm young. I'm 32. Yeah. I remember the X-Files being on television. Yeah. But okay. was there a broader cultural conversation that people were afraid of greys was that i think that yeah because there was a, there were other what was the other one there was the um communion there was a movie fire communion. in the sky yeah that was the other one yeah yeah that was there was like a big kind of like craze of ufo sightings and fucking alien abductions i think in the 90s wow i remember that i think that was because the aliens knew that we were about to invent cell phone technology and cameras were mm. going to be everywhere so if you wanted to abduct somebody this was your last window of opportunity <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just guess I, I just I missed that. I didn't know 
that people were talking about the Greys like they were like ISIS or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's were- funny that it's funny that that aliens learned that lesson and then but cops didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Just another thing they never would pick up on. Yeah. Oink oink. Fucking bitch. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's uh, that's my second pick. Heather, back to you. We know it. We love it. The Final Fantasy series. Wow. And if there's one famous first, you sure know that it should start with an FF. But I'm not talking about Final Fantasy 1. I'm Whoa. talking about Final Fantasy 7, which is on its own a famous first because there are one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen games that are based on Final Fantasy VII. It is a franchise. So I love this. So Final Fantasy VII is a game about an unreliable narrator who believes himself to be one thing, turns out he's another thing. And it was graphically impressive with a gigantic budget, incredible soundtrack. It had everything that you needed in whatever the fuck. What what year was it when Final Fantasy came out? I guess I should have had that. It was like ninety seven. Yeah, I think it was ninety seven. Look it up. I'm gonna guess ninety six. It's funny. I have the list of games that are Final Fantasy seven, like called the compilation of Final Fantasy 7 like their extended universe games mm-hmm. and Final Fantasy 7 is not on the list. This list starts in 2004. Um yeah, 97 hmm. January of 97 in Japan, September of 97 in the US well, uh, and internationally. Considering we're still getting fucking Final Fantasy 7 games, 1997 they've got to put they've got to put they got to go all in. And they've already released Final Fantasy VI, a huge success. But if they're going to break in to the West, if they're going to make a fucking Final Fantasy game that, that, like, that Western regulars play, then they had to make something fantastic. And they did. And as a result, Final Fantasy VII becomes a branch of Final Fantasy games with its, in, its own franchise. Starting with Before Crisis, Final Fantasy VII, an action role-playing game. Dirge of Cerberus, uh, which was an action third-person shooter game for the PlayStation 2. Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII, which just had a remake done for for modern systems. Final Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy VII First Soldier, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And then you've got the movies. Advent Children. Advent <laughs> Children Complete. Last Order. It's a fucking huge franchise. I bet if there's some kind of fucking, there's a list of like successful franchises. I bet if you could break out, it's kind of like when they say California is one of the largest economies on the in the world. Mm-hmm. California yeah. is like its own franchise. That is a subset of the United States of America, and if you were to br- if you were to break it onto the list as its own country, it would it would rank. And I bet the Final Fantasy VII franchise ranks also. That's a great pitch. I like that a lot. 
Great. Fucking. Do you see? Because uh, we, I don't know if we've talked about the podcast before, but we we've talked about our text. But the wrestler Kenny Omega, one of the best the best wrestlers in the world, he has his finisher is the one winged angel, uh, you know, which is an FF seven reference. But he recently, uh, for an event in Japan, came out with uh, in Sephiroth gear. Uh, to one winged angel as his ring entrance. It was fucking badass. Yeah, that's. But yeah, I, I think I think I think you're you're absolutely right that FF seven is just like it's it's an empire in and of itself. I love I love I love that. That's lateral thinking. That's yeah. That's a lot of fun. I really like yeah. that as well. Good job, Heather. Thank you. Uh, so I'm up, and remember that little kernel. That little kernel I planted earlier. About mm-hmm. saying maybe we'll hear about some other mascot platformers. Y'all remember that? Yeah. I'm about to do it. What direction is he going? I don't know. Because find out. we've talked about we talked about how I like these games. We talked about how a lot of yeah. my first gaming was platforming. But we also talked about a little bit, even on this episode. I'm a little sneaky sneak, and I love stealth, too. Mm, Yeah. And so a game that combines stealth and platforming, what could be better for me? Well, I'll tell you what. Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus for the PlayStation 2. I thought I was convinced you were going to go Spyro the Dragon. Can I say something about Spyro? Yeah. I'm -hmm. not really a Spyro guy. That's fine. That's fair. I I I never got it. I never got Sly to- Cooper's a hoot, and Sly Cooper has a fucking terrific score as well. Yes, uh, Sly Co- all the Sly Cooper games are fantastic. Um, I've actually only played Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus, Sly Cooper Two, Band of Thieves, Sly Three, uh, Honor Among Thieves. Those are the first three on PlayStation Two. They released a fourth game on PlayStation Three, Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, and then also. A fifth game that is a collection of mini games called Bentley's Hack Pack, and it's all the hacking mini games uh, from uh, the en- uh, from those entries. But Sly Cooper, you go around, you're sneaking around, you're a, you know you're a thief, and you have it's like it's like an Ocean's Eleven type situation, except you have two other animals. One's a turtle and one's a hippo. They're really funny. Mm-hmm. Everyone's funny. It's good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, some fun uh, combat too. Also, made by Sucker Punch, which now makes yes. Ghost of Tsushima. Um, everyone Wild. has abandoned <laughs> this type of game. Naughty Dog doesn't do it no more. Sucker Punch doesn't do it no more. But maybe one does. One of the other mascot ones, maybe we'll hear about. Uh, but I, I, I miss. Sly Cooper, and I wish they would bring this back. I wish they would bring Jack back. I wish they would bring both these. These are dead franchises. Yeah, that's like the, the ones you've nominated could just could also be, you know, this could fulfill our dormant franchises episode. Yeah. Famous last. Yeah. <laughs> I think because, you know, they, they, there's, I've played Sackboy for the PS5, the Sackboy mm-hmm. Big Adventure, their current mascot-driven platformer. And that's a good game, too, but you have all this IP. Bring it back, baby. Um, but also the art style in Sly Cooper is really cool, sort of cel-shaded kind of vibe. Um, and I always thought it would make a good cartoon. 
I always thought they could do a lot with Sly Cooper, but oh yeah, why not? Uh, you know, just like a weekly sort of not mystery, but you know, heist of the week type thing could have been yes. a lot of fun. Um, but that's it for me. I picked two so far that I just miss. I miss them, and I wish um, they were more readily available to play. I know that they've released collections, and I probably could just do it. Um, but I want them to bring them back. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun there. Um, I am realizing that that as far as 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 PlayStation platformers now, it's like Astro's Playroom is the yeah the PS5 pack in. That's like your best option, it's right? That Sackboy, but and I like Sackboy, but there's just Astro's not... Playroom is awesome, by the way. Yes, Astro's uh, but... Playroom is great. Sackboy, not my thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a little floaty too much. jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want a little uh. I I just I miss the old ones. Bring me back to the old school uh, from PS2. <laughs> uh, Nick, back to you. Let's do one more piece. One more a piece. And all and all. So that which gives me a choice because I got a few different options here. Um, but I'm tempted to go with another isometric PC game from the '90s. But instead, I think I'll I'll pivot a little bit. <clears throat> And go with a both a launch title and a first entry of a franchise from a developer that has been one of the biggest developers of the 2000s, Bungie, Halo Combat Evolved, released in 2001 for the Xbox. You know, this game was, I just have a lot of fond memories attached to this. I played through this entire game, the the entire campaign co-op. With my roommate, Sue, one of my favorite gaming experiences ever. I, I think that that what Halo does, you know, I I think people people like maybe sometimes look back and have have it, it's easy to forget that by the time that Halo came around, first person shooters as short of an existing existence that genres had. By 2001, because, you know, when does Doom come on the scene? I know Wolfenstein predates it, but Doom was really the one that started the whole craze. It was like 95. The, the, it, it, the, the, things had gotten pretty exhausting. And, and you know, the whole I thing was that everyone had all the characters had so many fucking weapons. Like you, your loadouts were like 11 different weapons. You were using your entire fucking numpad to scroll through uh, all of your uh, uh, all of your guns. And. Halo just was like simplified things and stripped it down. Be like, okay, you got you got two guns. You could wield two guns, and if you you pick up another one that you want to use instead, you got to drop one of the ones you have. And that was such a novel sort of revelatory innovation in terms of simplifying things. Uh, just made the gameplay more satisfying and added a lot more depth in terms of it. The single player map design was so satisfying and so like like just both the open world uh sections not 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 open world as far as we know it but more just like these wide open spaces uh and then the the sort of the the cloistered claustrophobic uh library sections um introduced some characters that became iconic video game characters and master chief and cortana and uh and you know some iconic video game weapons and it's just like got a, it. It also just had like this really cool, like colorful palette, and you know, video ga- like like FPS games had gotten very drab by that point. Uh, but uh, and the shielding mechanic was another thing, just in terms of how your health pool is handled. That you had the shield that would re- recharge if you took cover and avoided fire for a little bit, um, but then your health would, you know, 
uh, if you got through your shield layer, then you're you're you could start to take damage to your health like it it, it was just like a it, all of these elements were in addition to the gameplay being so tight but all these like like all of these elements in terms of how the gameplay was realized uh they just really upended what was going on with first person shooters at the time and then also they launched a franchise uh, bungie successfully launched a franchise that endures to this day uh and uh hey that last halo was was pretty fucking good um you know these games aren't my cup of tea but the people love them and i th- that first entry i think was was fucking stellar so halo combat evolved is my final pick of this i guess makeshift triforce of famous first uh heather your pick well i would like to before i move on uh add a little bit of history to nick's final pick Please. which is with a uh, video segment that i just sent to apodaca um why don't we why don't we play a little bit of that for, for the audience at home who may not know. We are starting to see some great games come back to the map, but this is one of the coolest I've ever seen. This game is gonna ship early next year from Bungie, and this is the first time anybody- This is Steve Jobs talking. The first time they've debuted it. And so I'm very happy to uh, welcome on the stage, Jason Jones, who is the co-founder of Bungie and the Halo project lead. Halo is the name of this game, and we're gonna see for the first time Halo. That's that's enough, Apodaca. It's it's maybe not known that Halo was originally an Apple exclusive. And uh, it was introduced in 1999 on stage by Steve Jobs at Macworld. And then he and then and then Bungie was purchased by Microsoft. And the legend has it that Steve Jobs called Bill Gates and screamed at him for a half hour. <laughs> uh, I remember because Bungie's previous game, Marathon, was a, was also a, like a, a, a Mac exclusive. It was only on Apple hardware, and my friend had a Mac at his home, and we'd play Marathon on his dad's computer. Uh, but that was also a first-person shooter. It's funny to imagine a world where Halo was a Mac, Mac, a Mac game. Yeah, because one, I don't think that it would have the um, market penetration that it did. Like, I don't know that people would be like talking about Halo so many years later. And that's an interesting thing to think about in terms of the platform by which these games were released and how important and integral that is to the permanence of these franchises. Like and and the 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 not just that but also the other way around like what is the Xbox without Halo because that was like basically its whole thing that was its killer app that mm-hmm. sold systems yeah yeah it's and, it's a it's a wild piece of history and I I I didn't know if uh, every listener knew that Steve Jobs initially was the man behind Halo if he had it, that. if he, he had it, it his way Cortana would have been Siri. Can you imagine if Cortana was Siri? It makes me sick to think about it. I just don't think it would have had a sequel. I think it would have been like all those other like year 2000 Mac games that just disappeared. Guys, we're talking about famous first. And I want to talk about an infamous first. Oh, wow. A game which should have ended a non-existent franchise. I'm talking about Street Fighter 1. Wow. Released wow. released as also as Fighting Street 
<laughs> for the PC Engine and Turbo <laughs> Graphics, Street Fighter One was an arcade game, and there were two different arcade uh, cabinets created for Street Fighter. One was the six six button configuration used for Street Fighter Two. You got your joystick and your six buttons, but the deluxe cabinet, the one that was like their premiere. This is Street Fighter has a joystick and two big soft buttons, punch and kick. And depending on how hard you push them, you get your light, medium, or hard punch, your light, medium, or hard kick. The punching pad cabinet of Street Fighter only sold a thousand units. So this franchise should have been dead on arrival. Nobody's out there talking, oh man, you played Street Fighter? Yeah, it's the one where you where you punch the cabinet with your fists in order to make the guy go. Like, no, no kids talking about that, especially since there's only a thousand, uh, a thousand copies of that game that sh- that show up. There's uh estimates between 10,000 and 50,000 for the uh six six button version, but Generally speaking, nobody's fucking playing Street Fighter. Uh it 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 does well-ish in Japan. Uh but um only hits it only comes up to the top 10 like number 11 uh in December 1987 United States game charts. So this is not not the successful game that launches a thousand ships. But Capcom makes a sequel anyway. Initially thinking they're going to make Final Fight a Street Fighter sequel, but then when that falls apart, they make Street Fighter 2 and the rest is history. Wow. Street Fighter 6 coming out this summer and infinite games of Street Fighter have been played ever since. That's my did, did j- infamous first. Heather, did you play Street Fighter, the cabinet, Street Fighter 1 at the time? Fuck no. Absolutely not. I, I did. Oh, no. My local arcade had... Wow. Uh, yeah, I think it was Aladdin's Castle had a Street Fighter 1, the six-button variant. You mean Bally's um, Aladdin's Castle? Yeah, it was before it was purchased by Bally's, oh, never I mind. think. Maybe it was Bally's Aladdin's Castle the whole time. I think it got I think it got bought out at a certain point. Anyway, it was it was an Aladdin's Castle franchise that had that. And I remember playing the game that was like you could only the big thing for Street Fighter 2, I remember when that came out, the big difference was like, oh wow, there's like eight different characters. Cause you could only be Ryu in Street Fighter One. Um, if you're I, I think it was Ryu was player one and Ken was player two. And then you just had a bunch of AI CPU opponents that you fought against. But yeah, it didn't play great. Like it was kind of clunky. Um, and I don't remember if the special moves were a part of it. If they were, it wasn't widely known enough where I, you know, I knew how to do like do a Hadouken or whatever. So I just kind of go in there and mash the six buttons and and lose. But I I remember it, it like it was like, oh, this idea is cool. It just doesn't play well. The run, or at least, I, like as a as a kid, I was probably just like, "This is hard." That was probably the the extent of my my critical eye. It's hard. When I was like eight. Yeah, it's hard. The the run from Street Fighter two to Street Fighter three to then four. What a run! That's great. 
that's a really good stuff. And then to sort of kind of explode on the runway for Street Fighter V, really something. Back to its heritage, yes. in a way, a return to form. Yes. Uh, and, you know, they almost didn't get it right with Street Fighter Three, as we learned, but they eventually did. What? Um, right? Didn't they? Isn't that true? Street Fighter Three is great. Yeah, all it forms. is. All, all iterations. <laughs> Fucking love Street Fighter Three. Third Strike is the one that really clicked with everyone, though, right? Yeah, sure. It was like but, the first, but it's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Don't. Hey, I'm don't sorry. Don't drag my boy. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the Street Fighter One characters, and I, I don't know if a lot of these got revisited on later rosters. I think Gen comes back. Yeah, Gen uh, Birdie comes back. certainly. Birdie comes back. And Sagat is there. Sagat is the final boss. It looks like. Uh, in and the, then he becomes one of the boys. One. Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, Championship Edition, Hyper Fighting, New Challengers, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Alpha, the movie, the game. Alpha 2, <laughs> X-Men versus Street Fighter, Street Fighter EX, Street Fighter 3, Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter, Second Impact, EX2, Alpha 3, Third Strike, EX3, Hyper Street Fighter 2, the Anniversary Edition, 4, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, Super Street Fighter 4, Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition. Street Fighter Tekken, Street Fighter Mega Man, Street Fighter Five, Ultra Street Fighter Two, The Final Challengers, and finally Street Fighter Six. Now it's wow. from the dome. Heather was not reading anything. <laughs> I have a nosebleed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like I fell out. That's uh, my that's my eleven style power. Like that's my <laughs> my eyes roll back in my head and I can just recite Street Fighter games. Yeah, and when Nick and I are being bad, you're always telling us. That were being like Papa. That's if you watch that show. You understand. Yeah, just imagine if Siri was Cortana. I know. Can you imagine this? It makes me sick. Siri, I need or I need more ammunition. Doo-doo. I didn't catch yeah. that. Fucking dumbass. Um, just kidding, Siri. In case you hear me, <laughs> um, I don't want a Megan situation on my hands. Um, <laughs> God, if I got Megan by Siri. Anyway, my final pick for a famous first is a PlayStation mascot platformer that is still active, baby. Wow. This, these two guys popped on the scene. All these games, by the way, let me just go. Uh, Jack and Daxter, The Precursor Legacy, 2001. Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus, 2002. Ratchet and Clank. 2002 something was going on they were just like give us as many mascots as you got give us as many platformers as you got all three of these games very different all three of these games very fun all three of these games very well received too something was going on they and they got it and you know god bless uh insomniac games who currently make spider-man and are making spider-man 2 and a wolverine game they're still like we still got to give our uh, our love to to our boys, Ratchet 100%. and Clank. Uh, yes, the most recent entry, Rift Apart, fantastic, uh, an, an rules. incredible game. Uh, there's God, how many games are in front of me right here? Uh, going Commando, up your arsenal, deadlocked. Not as funny as a subtitle. Uh, go- <laughs> <laughs> like like missed the whole idea of it. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, going mobile. Ratchet and Clank, size matters. We're back. 
Ratchet and Clank, <laughs> Future, Tools of Destruction, Secret Agent Clank for PSP, uh, Ratchet and Clank Future, Quest for Booty, Ratchet and Clank Future, A Crack in Time. Uh, then you got All for One, Full Frontal, Assault. Ugh, I don't know about that. Uh, Into the Nexus, Before the Nexus, and then Ratchet and Clank, which is a reboot following the film, the animated film, and then, which is just like a reboot. I've never seen that. Me neither. We should, Has anyone seen the movie? We should watch no. it for the show. I haven't um, seen it. Yeah, we should. Uh, I don't think it's good. Um, <laughs> but That's what I've yeah. heard. Uh, but the the remake or you know is good uh, of the of the game, uh, and then finally in 2021, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. These guys are still active, and I if you would have asked me when I was young, which of these would be still going, I would have probably guessed Jack, because because at least because Crash, you know, started at Naughty Dog, moved to Vicarious Visions. Uh, at a certain, or moved to Activision first, I think, um, and then had games after the first three that were not as good until they brought him back. And then um, the more recent one, Crash Four, is supposed to be really good. Um, I would have just thought Jack would have been the guy with longevity because I liked the gameplay in those games more. Um, but there's just a lot you can do in Ratchet and Clank. It's a shooter. It's a third-person shooter. It's a platformer. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of customization you can do in those games. You can sort your loadouts can be like you can just you know. There's a gun. There's a grenade. There's an anything you could want uh, that you could just level up and 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 it's great. It's a lot. Those games are a lot of fun. Uh, and that first one is fantastic. That's a great pick. And you're right. God bless Insomniac for continuing to make this franchise because those uh, so many of those other studios have like drifted purely into making you know big budget sad man triple a games which i love these m-rated games yeah. hey yeah good like that's fine but i mean it just you know it, give, give me a colorful mascot platformer yeah and you know i'm i'm glad i'm glad it's it's it's, it's my boys ratchet and clank they're they're so fun and so great such great characters um and all their adventures are a blast and you know what they're not afraid to do a little joke with the title you know they're having a little fun there yeah i think rift apart was kind of like the, another one where they didn't really have a have a, a, a you know naughty pun there i but. think it's supposed to be like ripped a fart is it really I think so okay that's pretty good if it is yeah that is good <laughs> By the way, they, at, at 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 games done quick, which was which was in recent weeks, they had there was an Ratchet and Clank up your Arsenal speed run that I watched. Wow, um, that's probably and a lot it of was fun. Fucking great, it was great. Yeah, a Scott. I, I looked it up. Scott Obozo was the runner, <laughs> and uh, it was an all titanium bolts run uh, in uh, in uh, sixty nine minutes, fifty nine seconds. Uh, the funniest time you could have for a Ratchet and Clank game. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, you're right. That rocks. I I do want to real quick because one of my one of my ones that, that that didn't make my top three uh fallout i did want to shout out because i did play fallout back in the day again great to be a grandpa isometric rpg uh and had elements like pip boy and uh war war never changes all that shit was in the first entry so wow. you know hey that was our discussion of famous firsts and while we're talking about the first game in a franchise how about the first game for a console that's right, it's another edition of our video game chart segment. It's Pixel Chart. Pixel, 
Wow. Pixel chart. I don't know. Did we ever have a drop for that? I don't know. No, we didn't. But also, that works. we might. I thought for sure folder. Weiger was going to be like, we've heard about Famous Firsts. I've got a new segment called Famous Thirsts. Oh, and everyone's first time anybody was horny. Yeah. He's 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 quickly he's doing research up. on an entirely different segment. Yeah. Hold on, I think we can do this. <laughs> uh, what was the title of this first long-running what? porno series? <laughs> Weiger is sweating, visibly sweating, while yeah. he types very quickly. Well, because you know why? He didn't ask Natalie if he could take off the safe search on Bing, so he did it without asking, and he knows that he's just in trouble. <laughs> Um, I was trying to think of something, but I didn't know how to frame it. But yeah, we could have done something about Ma- Mountain Dew, Game Fuel, or fucking the Estes. That's its own episode. No, don't That's burn its that. Thing. That's its own thing. Okay, we'll just do a pixel chart. And this is uh, this is IGN's ranking of the best console launch games. Wow. So try to get inside IGN's brain. Uh, this was published in February of 2020. So before the launch of the PS5, the Xbox Series S slash X. So, you know, Demon Souls PS5, for instance, is not going to be on this list. Uh, so that's your that's the category. Uh, try to guess the top five according to IGN. Uh, one of them has already been mentioned. I will say there's a little bit of a hint. Mm. Console launch games in the U.S. Uh, guarantee the Saturday isn't on this list with epic titles like Clockwork Night. That is an epic title, though. That like, is just really a title. Good. Clockwork Night is fucking awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It is. yeah. Edge gave it a six out of ten. <laughs> Yikes. Um, what console eras did this span? Not PS5, you said? Yeah, it's everything up to 2020. Okay. Um, I mean, is Metroid on this list? I would be kind of surprised. Not a launch title. No, yeah, Metroid uh, yeah, came no. out a little bit later in the lifespan. Sonic isn't a fucking launch title because no. Altered Beast was the pack-in for Genesis. Oh, Sonic yeah. was a solution. <laughs> Rise from your grave. Rise from your grave. <laughs> I like that you applied the distortion vocally. <laughs> Love to rise from my grave. Could Jack and Daxter be a console launch? No. I'm I'm confident that was not a console no. launch the, title. It's not on the this list. The number one best console launch title of all time is Mario 64. Uh, like Mar- it demonstrates it demonstrates the the efficacy of the fucking system itself yes. and it's an incredible game. IGN has Super Mario 64 as number three on this list. Bullshit. Uh, no other. They, like Mario 64 sold the Nintendo 64. And that was the only thing that pe- like you. If you bought the system like three years later, you're still getting Mario 64. Sure. Although I argue that's true of some of the other games on this list. I think that you could argue you could argue for Mario 64 being number one. Um, I don't think it's 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 crazy to have it number three behind the the other games that are listed here. Uh, but you get you get one of the top five. I just remembered it's Halo Combat Evolved. That's right. That's number two. Wow. It also sold a lot of Xboxes. And if you're getting an Xbox a few years in, you're right. picking up Halo. Number one has to be Super Mario Duck Hunt. Um, Super Mario Duck Hunt, but I'll give it to you because it's Super Mario Brothers. Just vanilla Super Mario Brothers uh-huh. was the original pack-in for the NES. Uh, and uh, that's number one on their list. Wow. There we go. We fucking nailed it. We're done. Right? That was the whole contest? 
There were two. I mean, if you there's two more, right? There's five. four and five. Oh, there's two more. Oh, you okay. can try to get the whole top ten if you like. You might be able to. Hmm. Tetris. Tetris is Game number Boy. six for Game Boy. Fuck wow. I think Tetris lie. could have been number one. Honestly, that might be yeah. my number one because that's yeah. a lot of fucking Game Boys and perfect, absolutely perfect for the platform and also perhaps the best version of Tetris. Like and, one of the best versions of Tetris. Like it it didn't just sell the Game Boy. It sold the Game Boy to like people's aunts and uncles. 100%. Like, that's what I was like, going to say. Was like, oh, you know, fucking Hillary Clinton has a photo of her playing Game Boy on a plane. Yeah, I'd like, like, see like, these other photos she's, she's got us on her hard drive too. Got a lot of questions about that. Um, no, but yeah, totally. Like everybody. Subpoena that Game Boy. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows how to play Tetris. That's any, true. Anybody yeah. can interact with it and know what to do. They have, they have that as number six. I think it. I think it would be a good number one, no, but I think it's, boo, it's at least boo. it's on the list. All right, couple more. I'll give you a hint. These are both Nintendo games. Nintendo first party games for Nintendo consoles. Uh, Super They're Mario horrible. Odyssey. Odyssey, not a launch title. Oh, really? You dumb asshole! It's sure Super it Mario not. World. For oh, the Super, Super Mario Nintendo. World for Super Nintendo. Oh, yes. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Odyssey came out the first the same year, but uh-huh. it was not the launch. It was not a launch title for. The Switch, though, there was a launch title for the Switch. Oh, one, two, oh, Switch. The, the Legend of Zelda, the Breath of the Wild? Bre- Breath of the Wild. That's right. IGN has that as number four. That's stupid, too. Uh, this list sucks. Um, <laughs> it's not your fault, Nick. It's just a bad list. IGN IGN up. is so, like, I, I, I've heard this criticism, but you look at this list. IGN is such a, are such Nintendo fanboys. Like anytime they have like the, any sort of their best of, it's so biased towards Nintendo. And hey, look, I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I love their I love their titles, but but they yeah, can't even a do lot it right on here. Like <laughs> like if you're gonna be biased towards Nintendo, put Breath of the Wild number one. Then who cares? I think their argument for Super Mario Brothers is sound, and and you know here's because first off, it's just like it introduced a, basically the the whole the modern platform or the idea of a platform game came about from Super Mario Brothers and then they're also I'll read from their copy here not only did Super Mario Brothers set the stage for the NES as a console resurrecting console gaming after the tragic video game crash of 1983 it also instantly established Super Mario as one of the most recognizable characters in all of pop culture so in terms of its pop culture imprint but also like we forget that the fucking video game industry just completely crashed and was left for dead before Nintendo resurrected it. Crash? Left for Dead? Huh. Sounds like some great games. Uh, rest the, of the list. Wii Sports for you know the Wii. I'm right. Twilight Wait, Princess for five? Wii. Oh, Soul is Calibur. Super Mario World? Yeah, you got number f- number mm-hmm. five was uh was was Super Mario World, yeah. Um, All right, so let me let me listen again. What were the what were these? Uh number number I'll I'll give you the full list. Number one was Super Mario Brothers, number Ding. two. Uh, number two is uh, Halo Combat Evolved for Xbox. Ding. Number three, Super Mario 64. Number Ding. four, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for Switch. Ding. Number five, Super Mario World for, for the SNES. Uh, and then also uh, uh, above the list, uh, Tetris for Game Boy, Wii Sports. Uh, oh, man. Twilight Princess, which I think is a weird is weirdly placed on here for Wii. I don't know if I'd put Twilight Princess no, on this boo, list. No, boo, boo. But also Wii Sports is uh, like, in Wii Sports is the Tetris. Yeah, that's the, the whole that's the whole fucking proof the whole of the platform. Fucking console. Yeah. I like this one. Soul Calibur for Dreamcast number nine. It's a great game. Uh, and then Castlevania Circle of the Moon for Game Boy Advance. Good game. Kind of an odd pick here, but you know, whatever. They're this subjective. But that's IGN's ranking. And hey, that was Pixel Chart. And hey, that was this week's Get Played. 
Links to our tw- our Discord and our Twitch and our social media are in the episode description. We gotta. Well, I think we'll get it back on Twitch soon. I've been I've been kind of uh, yeah. laying low, but I gotta get back streaming again. Our engineering is by Jordan a- Duffy, Jordan K Duffy on Instagram. I might have a lot of free time coming up, and in which case I'll be streaming Fortnite on the on the Twitch. Wow. Uh, this month's We Play, You Play is Sonic Frontiers, as Heather mentioned, with special guest Jordan Morris coming next Monday, January 30th. And check out our premium show, Get Animated, Heather, where we're watching the rebuilds of Evangelion. We're watching the rebuilds of Evangelion. That's Evangelion 1. Uh, you are not alone. Evangelion 2. You cannot advance. Evangelion 3. You cannot redo. And Evangelion 4. Bye bye, all of Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> that's on stitcher premium or at patreon.com slash get played and hey guys whoa you got played <laughs> wow i like this pop back in at the end keep that going if you like i gotta go to a hospital my leg is is bad oh god yeah it was badly burned earlier <laughs>